Hey everyone, welcome to episode 82 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan, with me this week is Andrew Brown. Hello. Uh, Ginny couldn't join in this week because of scheduling conflicts, but she is uh, recording something with Andrew in the future that we're going to splice in on uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2 because I, I haven't played it, I've got nothing I can add to that one. Um, so we'll have that in the show, we're going to talk about some of the latest Switch news, uh, about law firm opening investigations for Joy-Con drifting issues, the the standard Switch getting hardware upgrades, uh, a little bit on the Resident Evil's pricing again, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 which just dropped yesterday, and that's about it. So let's get right into the, the latest Switch news. Okay, so the first item is uh, that a US law firm has opened an investigation for a class action lawsuit against Nintendo for the Joy-Con joystick drifting problem. It's not something I've experienced so far. I think you remember you you were having issues early mm-hmm. on. Yeah. You know, I haven't had an issue with it myself, but and you know, clearly people are, and it's still creeping up now, even with I presume newer models of the the Joy-Con, which is disappointing. So, did you get yours fixed in the end? Did you send it off, or did you just get new ones? I just got new ones. I I should send my ones that I'm having problems with in, but I'm just incredibly lazy, so I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I know that feeling. The amount of times I've bought something that's still under warranty that's broken and I've just gone and bought a new one because it's just easier <laughs> than dealing with, with customer service. And now shortly after last uh, week's Switch Lite stuff, uh, they confirmed that the, the standard model of the Switch will be getting uh, some hardware upgrades. It basically amounts to a new processor, um, which is uh, acting more efficiently so that it's not as draining as much battery. So as far as I'm aware, they're not even changing the battery in the device. That that seems interesting. Um, I did hear on another podcast that uh, there was an exploit in the, the launch processor that was opening it up to hacking, so it might not just be to do with extending battery life, but that's how they're selling it to us. And also the, the fact that they're continuing to work on the, the standard switch hardware suggests that that standard model isn't going anywhere soon in in light of the the switch light announcement the the new full model of the switch will have a better battery life than even the switch light which is uh pretty neat uh would you think about upgrading when the new model sits stores or are you, are you happy with what you've got i can count the number of times that my battery has died on one hand because uh, i do play my switch portably but i'm deliberately never away from a place where i can charge it for that long so <laughs> i think it's a great upgrade i think it makes the light switch look even worse in hindsight but i won't be upgrading right away i i still think they're going to come up with a a new switch model to replace the original one somewhere down the line and i'm sure that'll have the same battery improvements and i'll just i'll just get that but without something other than improved battery life this really doesn't have anything in it that would warrant me spending $300 on a new Switch when my current one still works fine. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat with that. And it sort of undermined the Switch Lite announcement as well. <laughs> with, uh, hey, here's a device with better battery life. And by the way, the original one's getting battery, better battery life as well. So yeah, it just it seemed weird timing. Just a strange one all around with that. So uh, it's the sort of thing that most other companies just sort of let happen and not announce it <laughs> in any way. I remember the the 360 getting uh hdmi port suddenly <laughs> and that was uh they didn't make a big song and dance about it so i'm, I'm surprised that was the route they went 
And you wanted to talk about the uh, pricing of Resident Evil 5 and 6. I assume, again, way overpriced. I haven't actually looked at them because I'm still holding fast on on the uh, original 3 that they released. Well, Resident Evil 5 and 6 are going to come out October 29th on the eShop. They cost $30, just like the first three games they put out did. But they're also putting out a physical triple pack which has Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6 in it. You want to guess how much that costs, Andy? I bet it's a lot cheaper than the digital versions, Andrew. It costs $60. <laughs> so basically, you're getting Resident Evil 4 for free. So that's a stupid awesome deal. Uh, so <laughs> basically, the, the Resident Evil triple pack is going to have all three games for $20 each, is basically what it works out to, which is the price that I have declared that I'm willing to pay for these games. So yeah, I'll get the triple pack, but I'm not paying $30 for these games. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Now, I, you know, Resident Evil 5 has its problems, but I'm a, I'm, I like, really like that game, especially playing it co-op uh, with my wife. Um, yeah, I think I would get that. I hope it comes uh, to Australia, the, the physical triple pack, and hopefully not on one of those weird half-download deals, but it is. It's Resident Evil 4 is on the card, and then 5 uh, and 6 are a download code. Okay. I can live with that. But then having physical Resident Evil 4 is not a bad deal either. Yeah, so. exactly. I was like, if any of them are going to be physical, that's the one I would pick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm I'm reasonably happy with that package. Yeah, uh, the original three are actually on uh, sale as well at the moment. Maybe that's... Ended in now. Australia, they are. Ah, okay, not in the US. No. Nope. Uh, which, they were, they were pretty much half price, and I was very, very sorely tempted to pick up Resident Evil 4, but I think this this seems a better way to do it. Uh, so that's the news done. Uh, let's talk about what we've been playing this week. So, uh, with uh, Ginny not here with us live at the moment, um, we're going to perform some time travel, and we're going to jump to the future, to tomorrow, where Andrew's going to be having a, a bit of a, a deep dive into Dragon Quest Builders 2 with, with her, uh, so let's switch to that now. Alright, so it looks like Andrew and myself are going to talk about Dragon Quest Builders 2 since Andy didn't play that, and that is fine. I actually don't remember if he really enjoyed the first one or if he played the first one. He insists he's going to play the first one. He is wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to get around to that after Marvel Alliance or whatever else occupies his attention. Yeah, so um, as I've said before on the cast, I was a late latecomer, I guess, to Dragon Quest Builders because I absolutely hated Minecraft um, when I couldn't play it without mods to add quests and stuff into the game. And so Andrew convinced me by by sharing the fact that Dragon Quest Builders has quests, has a lot of RPG elements. And so um, I tried the first one, and uh, I guess the rest, as they say, is pretty much history. So I was super, super keen on the second one. I am only, I think, finishing up Chapter 3 at the moment, so I don't think I've gotten nearly as far as Andrew has. But we are going to just, I guess, generally talk about, about what we liked and what we didn't like. Andrew, you've got some notes here about the, the structure of Dragon Quest Builders 2. So why don't we, I guess, talk about that a little bit. You've got an interesting note here about the builder, which I'm going to let you expand on yourself. <laughs> well, you mean how the builder is a terrifying, insidious force that... Mm-hmm. Not even intentionally, he just does it by being around people, conscripts them yeah. into his weird voxel building cult. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, it's funny the first time because like you'll meet a new person and they'll be like, I- "I'm with the children of Hargoth. I don't believe in building. I believe in destruction." But now I'm standing around you and I want to build stuff, and-, and that's a joke the first time. Then like literally the dozenth person you've met that it happens to, it stops being funny and it just becomes creepy. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that take was really interesting when they first start you off and you're basically a prisoner and you're like, you're basically a mute and everyone hates you. But then after a while, they inexplicably warm up to your, your terrifyingly constantly smiling visage. I think even the monsters comment on it, they're like, why are you so cheery? Like you're about to die. You're just smiling quietly in the corner, silently doing nothing. And I, f- I feel like maybe you have a point there. Um, this is something about the manic happiness of the the builder, which is confusing and confounding and weirdly enigmatic and a draw all at the same time. But I thought that the game started off really well. I, I liked how it taught you the mechanics this time around. The text is so small, though. Can you please someone make the text bigger for this game? It is so tiny. My eyes are just terrible. Please make the text bigger. But I really enjoyed how the tutorial worked and how they introduced you really early on to one of your, I guess, your companions. Um, and the fact that you you have kind of like competent companions this time is, is pretty great. There are also a bunch of other quality of life improvements, which were better, I suppose, better than the first one. We've got the unbreakable weapons. Yay! Uh, a whole bunch of tools. And I see we've got here a list of the new tools. We've got hammer, gloves. The gloves are super handy. So it's a bottomless pot. A whistle, trowel, a pencil, and you can unlock infinite amounts of certain resources. Um, and I feel like the whole building process is more is more streamlined than before. Um, and I like how they introduce you to doing different things. I remember learning how to build a home and a straw hut and a bed in the first one. It was so much more of a process, um, even though the NPC that gives you, that gives you the quest and Dragon Quest Builders Two is super annoying. I hate Lulu, worst NPC ever. But it's just the whole process felt a lot more intuitive, and I liked how I was worked into everything. So I think if you are uh, a newcomer to this, you don't need to play the first one to, to understand what's happening in this one. I feel like this gives you a much better setup. How did you feel about the initial couple of first hours? It's more focused on its plot. Like, a, mm. like you said, you do start off on that ship of the children of Hargoth, which is mostly composed of monsters and they just keep humans prisoners on their ship until they get to wherever they're going and apparently they're going to kill all the humans and i thought that whole sequence was a little bit too long and it was basically just a controls tutorial it wasn't really needed i think could have been explained in a more streamlined way but once you get kicked off to the isle of awakening and you're actually in the combat and you're actually building some stuff to a limited extent then it, the game picks up a bit but it, it's really not till you get to Furrowfield, the first main island where you're really cut loose to start building whatever you want and yeah. really start exploring just cut loose from the game's setup and premise that that's when the game really takes off and becomes its own thing distinct from the first Dragon Quest builders yeah that's fair enough I feel like the the agricultural focus or the uh what's the i feel like you played a lot more of the first one solo early on like um you have more ai assistance this time is what it feels like maybe it's just not just not just in the frequency of how many npcs you get to 
recruit to your building cult but it just kind of felt like you spent a lot more time by yourself for the first couple of hours um first maybe 10 so hours in the first one whereas now you kind of get ai assistance really quite quickly and i liked that um i, I sort of liked sort of influencing people and, and having my my stuff automated you know i like playing games like factorio and sort of system management games so i quite enjoyed like this other aspect whereby i can I can get these residents to kind of help me do things like harvest crops and cook food and they can build stuff for me and I'm smart about it. So I, I quite enjoyed being able to automate them or automate a lot of these processes early on so I could kind of really focus on building what I wanted to build and not do all the busy work myself. I thought that was quite that was quite a draw for me this time around. Yeah, it's definitely set up very well like that, and the islands ease you into the different things that you're going to be doing in the game. Like, the first island, as I said, is Furrowfield, which is focused almost entirely on actually setting up a farm and building a completely self-sustaining farm with the help of all these NPCs. And the second island is in a mine, and you're starting to help these miners reestablish a mine 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 <laughs> mine uh and working with all the metal that they bring out of it to build new weapons and also to build new buildings and at the start you kind of have to do things yourself but once you've done that then the builders mind control powers kick in and all the other people around him start doing those things too so like at the start of the farming chapter you have to do the farming yourself you have to cook things yourself and as these game mechanics are being introduced it's it's actually valuable information because as the player you don't really know how to do these things yet in the context of this game. But then once you've done them, then the NPCs take over for you, so you no longer have to spend all your time cooking your own meals. You can focus on doing these greater ideas of building than instead of, you know, constantly micromanaging your yeah, crops exactly. so that way you don't starve yeah. to death, which is really nice. And then once you've finished those islands, once you've finished Furrowfield and Crumble Dunn, then you go back to the Isle of Awakening, which is this blank slate of an island, and you get to do it all over again, <laughs> uh, which sounds terrible, but it's really not, because you've got Furrowfield and Crimbledon. Those are the only islands I've done yet, because I've been really taking my time and really exploring yeah. this game. Uh, those are very guided experiences. But then once you go back to the Isle of Awakening, which is this barren scrap of rock with nothing on it, you bring these new NPCs with you from these islands, and they help you to revitalize that part of the island. Uh, like when you come back from Furrowfield, you get set up in a place called the Green Garden, which is very poorly named because it's just gray <laughs> rock. But you work with the NPCs, you use your bottomless pot to get the river going again, and then you work with a giant worm whose name is Wrigley to get grass planted and growing everywhere. And you can really take the lessons that you learned on Furrowfield and expand on them and turn this small section of the Isle of Awakening into what you really want to do as your part of the farm. Or, if you want to, you can just ignore it and just go straight to the next island and not even worry about the Isle of Awakening. I haven't beaten it yet. There might be consequences for doing that. But when I got back to the Isle of Awakening, I was so excited to just build my own farm from <laughs> scratch, 
using the lessons that I'd learned on yeah. Furrow Field, I spent two days just doing that instead of rushing off to the next chapter, which would be typical behavior yeah. for me in many other games. I, I am completely thrilled with that aspect of the game. I, I easily imagine myself spending dozens, if not hundreds of hours just transforming the Isle of Awakening into my own vision of what it can be. And that really is the main draw of this game because there's online multiplayer on the Isle of Awakening. You can actually bring other people to your island to show them what you've done with it. And there's also a screenshot sharing portal where you can take pictures of things that you built and share them on this message board that you can put on the different islands and you can actually look at them and it just shows you different uh, things that people have built and taken a picture of and they even have uh, themes that you're supposed to follow like uh, when the game first launched the theme was restaurants so people were building their best restaurants that they could and taking pictures of them and posting them on this board and right now the the theme is summer so take build your best summer themed whatever it is you're building and post a picture of it and maybe you'll get noticed mm-hmm. it's a great system uh, I'm gushing. I love this game. <laughs> no, that's actually really good. Like, um, I, I I like how they've integrated stuff like that as well. Um, I'm not someone that's huge on online multiplayer and games like this. I really kind of like treating it like a RPG. So running around the world by myself, bringing my troop along with me. And I know just maybe this is just sort of me, but it felt like there was a lot more to fight this time around it was a lot harder yes. to avoid beating stuff <laughs> up if i wanted to go collect like a material a lot more materials were also farmed from monsters like early on as opposed to before when it was like here's a log and a stone and just take 30 of those and just kind of avoid the slimes roaming around you're basically beating up on slimes as soon as your shipwrecked butt lands on the shore i guess that's sort of one thing that hasn't really been innovated on in dragon quest builders 2 the combat hasn't like changed it's not groundbreaking i guess it makes sense because it's not the focus of the game by any means but it just kind of feels the same it feels extraneous and I, and I kind of really don't really care for it at all I know that we we do have as you've noted here Andrew helpfully Malroth kind of makes it bearable because he, he can just kind of aggro things and just punch them by himself and do his own grumpy Malroth thing and that's fine and I'm not overly concerned with picking up after it afterwards but I did feel like the combat kind of just was a lot it detracted a bit it detracts a bit i think noticeably early on where you're forced to interact with a lot of the world organically yourself just to pick up basic materials i find it a bit annoying actually yeah and the respawn rate is yeah, really aggressive is. like i'd be fighting monsters and i would kill like a pack of monsters and then suddenly i'd be fighting another pack of monsters i was like okay i'll kill you too mm-hmm. And then I'll flip the camera around and the first pack of monsters has respawned and is running towards me to fight me again. (laughs) It it got a little grating, especially on Furrow Field. I don't feel like I had that problem as much on uh, Crumble Dun, but I think that's because enemy groups were much more spread out there. Yeah, and also Crumble Dun is where you start mining, so my equipment improved considerably on that island as well which i think also made combat a lot easier but as you said you're joined by this npc called malroth uh who has his own story going on 
and he follows you basically everywhere and he helps you like if you attack a monster he will attack it too and he deals unless there's a disparity between your equipment which does happen but for the most part he deals far more damage than you do so he's perfectly capable of fighting entire armies yeah. by himself uh, and he's got pretty nice uh, like helper AI thrown in there like when uh, he kills an enemy and they drop something he'll grab it for you it goes straight in your inventory and if you're not in combat at the moment and you're like smashing a tree so you can get the wood Malroth will go to a tree nearby and he will smash it too and that wood goes into your inventory so Malroth is a very smart addition to this game he as the other NPCs automating large parts of the game and alleviating a lot of the labor of fighting things and getting materials Malroth is also a big part of that yeah it's good I, I enjoy it um, I enjoy having a lapdog to fight things for me really so I don't have to do that myself and yeah no I I definitely did enjoy it um, I it's one of the games that I'm always kind of surprised that I enjoy this much like I'm still not over the fact that I absolutely loathe Minecraft but I'm super into Dragon Quest Builders too. And I'm always surprised because I always go, okay, I'll just play like a little bit today. And then it's like four hours later. And I haven't even really progressed the story that much. I've just been messing around and just figuring out how things work. And that would normally frustrate me um, in any other, in literally any other game title. I'm not someone that likes to, to take their time unless the story is particularly kept activating and while there is a story here it is very much what you make of it there is not like some sort of overarching yeah. like incredibly deep narrative there, there is a story here um but it's really just kind of like a vehicle for the crafting to just kind of shut you from one place to another and that's fine so it is still for me a game that i'm constantly confused by in terms of how much i enjoy it but i <laughs> am not complaining and i'm very glad that i picked this one up um to even before I suppose I, even before knowing about these QL improvements, it's just, I, I think it has really deepened my enjoyment of the game, even though the combat is annoying. I feel like they've improved on enough things from one and the way things work that it's made it more fun to me. So I'll probably be spending quite a bit of time on this just because it's quite relaxing to play. I like kind of coming back to it when I'm after playing something else. So I do enjoy it and definitely will be talking more about this probably next week if I make my way through another island so we'll see I think just what really shows the evolution of how much a larger and more ambitious game this is than the first Dragon Quest builders is uh, at the end of every like main story island you get this big building project that you have to do and these are like colossal buildings you have to build actually in Furrowfield it's not a building you have to build it's like literally the mana yeah. tree that you are building block by block and this would be a fun project to undertake like you know like a really big lego set basically but by the time you get to that point, you have really inspired the people in your builder cult. Yeah. So they actually do most of the building for you. So you you get to stand back and watch like two dozen NPCs just build this absolutely colossal thing. And it's all because of the things that you've done and the, your example uh, that you've set with the things that you did build for them while you were trying to convince them that, no, you're not evil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as you slowly, insidiously 
indoctrinate them into your way of life. But uh, <laughs> I, I just love these projects. Uh, I would be perfectly happy to build these giant structures just by myself, but even having the NPCs there to help me do it is fun yeah. in its own way as well. Yeah, and like you can even take on these big projects yourself. Like you can go online right now and you can look at some of the things people have built in Dragon Quest Builders too. Just with all the new squares that they've put in, the new kinds of things that you can build is so much more detailed and more complicated than anything you could build in the first game. And also, they've gotten rid of the share cubes, which was the only way you could really share things in the first game. Was there was this like 16 by 16 square that you could build things in anything that was in that square would appear randomly in other people's games this doesn't have that this is like giving you an entire island for you to do with as you will and other people can come and visit it or you can share images of it to other people to appear in their game which i think is a much fosters a lot more creativity mm, yeah this makes the first game look like a tech demo. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> That's why I keep I'm trying to get Andy to just skip yeah. the first game and just go right to the yeah. second one. Because really, playing the second one now, as much as I love the first one, I still think it's one of my favorite games in recent years. But this game just <laughs> makes the first game look like a joke. Because it kind of was. That was like a, a budget game that they put out. I think it cost $40 when it first came <laughs> out. But this game is a $60 AAA extravaganza. It's the promise of Dragon Quest Builders 1 with all the care and attention and detail and depth that Square Enix puts into any one of their other projects. We have already put together our Game of the Year yeah. sheet for this year just so we could spend more time of focusing on it over the course of the year rather than trying to remember everything we've done in november uh, this was the first game that i put under possible game wow, of the year there we go yeah and yeah if you haven't played the first one you can totally skip it there's no need to like play the first one and understand what's going on because the game does a great job explaining what's happening anyway to you. You don't need to yeah. know what happened in the first one. It's completely, completely optional. I will say this, though. Uh, the demo for this one, it, it stops you before you're really able to do anything. But it, the demo for the first game, which should be on the eShop as well, it, it does let you actually get to a place where you can build things and you have this town space that you're allowed to modify so i think if you're on the fence on dragon mm. quest builders play the demo of the first one and if you like it buy the second one yeah that's actually quite fair yeah because that first demo was really quite comprehensive yeah no that makes sense definitely yeah so if yeah like like andrew said if you don't know if you want to get it um honestly i and you think crafting games is not your thing, listen, I hated Minecraft too. Like, I'm totally with you on that one. <laughs> I've been converted. So if you're unsure, try yeah. the first one's demo because you really, I think you get a better idea of how the building works and what the scope of stuff you can hope to build will look like. And then if you like that, yeah, skip the first game, forget it, um, and get Dragon Quest Builders too because it is a really big quality of life and just overall quality upgrade from the first one. 
So definitely I would start there. Last month I said that I, I just I don't have the creative spark for to make anything mm-hmm. in Mario Maker. When I got back to the Isle of Awakening after finishing Furrowfield, I just set right into building this restaurant just because it was an optional goal that had been yeah, given yeah. to me. And I spent hours on it and I had a blast. And uh, I don't know what it is about Dragon Quest builders where I'm just like, yes, I want to make things in this. Whereas in Mario Maker, I'm just like, I can't be bothered. I would rather just play yeah, the levels. Enough. But Dragon Quest Builders 2, it just does a great job of, oh my god, I'm being I'm being brainwashed myself. <laughs> I'm in the cult already. Yeah. This is my tracksuit, and I'm telling you to buy this game. Okay, and we're back from the future. The present Andrew, rather than the future Andrew. Uh, any ill effects from the time travel process there? Uh, I'm fading in and out of existence, uh, and... <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to get through playing Earth Angel with this band, uh, <laughs> but I, I just got to get my parents back together at this Enchantment Under the Sea Dancer. Uh, it, it, it could be really bad because I, I could go forward to 1985 and uh, suddenly Donald Trump is president and yeah. That actually happened. Anyway, there's one to bleep out. Yeah, so Marvel Alliance 3, The Black Order, dropped yesterday. Uh, both one we were looking forward to. Again, as usual, you've had it at night, but you're you're way ahead of me. Uh, I've just beat the Green Goblin. I've just met up with uh, Jessica Jones. We'll just run through like the key important aspects of it. So the story in this one is that Thanos, the the pesky villain, has uh, he's after those damn magic MacGuffins again. The the Infinity Stones, and that's it. It's a scenario that's been overused quite a lot in a lot of the recent Marvel games, you know, because the movies are a big deal. Uh, I kind of wish they'd gone for something a little different, but I guess it's the highest stakes thing they have in the Marvel Universe. I think they wanted to do something familiar with fans of the movies, too, because yeah. the movies are reaching a lot more people than the comic books ever have or ever will. It's true. Uh, and, and with that, I'm really enjoying, like, the the voice cast so far uh, they seem to have like handpicked you know the the best people from their respective versions of the marvel stuff uh, and certain uh, you know like representations of those characters so we have yuri lowenthal who voiced spidey in spider-man ps4 as spidey in this game we've got iron man is voiced by the same guy from the recent avengers cartoons i'm not sure on his name sorry uh, Rocket is a, a fairly good sound-alike of uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, Nick Fury is a Samuel L. Jackson sound-alike as well, as they've ditched him instead of the the poor original, you know, Marvel Universe Nick Fury. But I'm I'm sure we can stand to do that another old white man <laughs> in one of these games. Yeah, it's pretty much just superhero nonsense. It's never anything deeper than that, and I'm so far so good. I'm in, enjoying that aspect of it. It's just you know cheesy quips maniacal after and all that but what i did want to say is uh, so like i'm a spider-man fan first and foremost I, I i grew up on the cartoons on the comics and all that sort of stuff and it wasn't always the superhero stuff like i didn't just read the comics to see spider-man punch a villain in the face there was more going on with it like peter parker was the original hard luck kid he had real young person issues and he had to balance his like really rubbish life with you know putting this ton of responsibility on himself you get characters like the hulk who who's like a allegory for 
anger management issues and how destructive anger can be. Uh, even you know Captain America, who's who was thought of as pretty vanilla before Chris Evans uh, managed to win everyone's hearts, was about you know someone old-fashioned struggling to find their place in the modern world. And you know the X Men are obvious. We we all know what they're about. Um, but the problem with these sorts of games is where it's a big you know super mashup or the the ultimate alliance is that there's too many characters here for it to be anything but the good versus evil and witty quips and and you know black and white villains uh which is a shame uh because especially coming from like something like spider-man on ps4 which had a lot of heart and good characterizations outside of spider-man the character this has charm definitely but it's cheesy light-hearted charm yeah i just kind of wish more more games of these like team up variety could explore the characters as well um i recently played through marvel versus capcom infinite story mode on game pass the other week uh, and that had exactly the same problem it was enjoyable nonsense but it was ultimately nonsense how are you finding that part so far andrew yeah the story's just running through environments that people recognize and mm-hmm. characters that people recognize and you fight villains that people recognize some of it is pretty interesting like there's a whole sequence in the avengers tower where giant man is fighting ultron in the city streets outside the tower while you're riding an elevator up to the top of the tower that's a pretty cool sequence nice. but uh it's all kind of what you expect the actors do an okay job i I thought the actors they got to be the the guardians of the galaxy were pretty bland especially the guy who plays groot yeah yeah it's hard to live up to vin diesel who uh has been playing single note characters and putting emotion into them for a long time but (laughs) you know vin diesel is who you're competing with so uh put a little more effort into it yeah it's like they don't sound bad it's just they sound slightly off because they're too similar yeah, in some respects, they're, they're if, definitely it, drawn. Especially the Guardians are definitely drawn from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they they don't live up. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's it's kind of like the uh, you know with the Square Enix Marvel Avengers game that um, I still don't know what it is because they just won't show any of it other than vapid trailers. Uh, and you know people are worried about how the character models look which is is fair enough but i think a large part of that is because they like costume wise and design wise they look very close to the marvel movie versions but not quite which makes them very jarring so it's almost like you have to go a completely different way just to separate people in their heads from you know the stuff they're used to seeing so so moving on from that graphics uh i'm liking how it looks a lot it's really colorful i think it Looks surprisingly good, certainly a lot better than I thought it might. Performs very well. I haven't had any chugging yet. I don't know if you've had any performance issues. Not really, no. Nothing I've noticed. Uh, and the costumes, they're all really well designed. There's lots of detail, lots of, lots of character. And uh, even the animations for each character, Like there's, there's plenty to, to see. Although a lot of it, which we'll discuss shortly, gets lost in the mayhem of the the combat so the gameplay uh basically if you've played ultimate alliance one and two then you kind of know what you're getting into it's it's mindless combat only two attack buttons a light attack and heavy attack plus you know dodges and and guards it's just sort of mindless button bashy combat uh which i'm okay with because i did enjoy that in the originals you can then augment these 
combat stuff with abilities where eventually you'll unlock four per character but you only stop with one and then you can upgrade them so like the cooldown is quicker or they cost less and stuff like them you know make them more powerful and then you can combine those with other specific characters for you know bigger attacks and in some cases used for puzzles to get through the levels the puzzles themselves aren't anything particularly clever so far it's just you know they're there just to give you some sort of agency as you you plow through the levels they're roadblocks yeah <laughs> they're just there much. to make you stop so you're doing something other than fighting and which is fine because because the, the the fighting can get you know pretty samey there's no imagination to any of these puzzles yeah agreed um and then once uh, while you're fighting you build up a gauge which is for uh, an ex attack um which you do by pressing both the the left and right bumpers uh, which is like a big flashy attack for your character, but if you have more than one character, I should say you can have four characters in your team. Uh, if you have more than one, also with a full gauge, you can also press it again and bring them into the same attack, and you can do that for all four, uh, which is just mayhem. They all have great animations, but it's hard to take them in because they're all just sort of doing it at once at the same spot <laughs> at the same time. Now, where they bring in the variety is you get some big normal enemies and and the bosses who get a stagger meter and the the aim is get the stagger meter down and then they get stunned and then you can just deal heaps of damage uh, which is really cool when you get them down and you've still got all four characters with the x you can so i've got through a couple of the bosses really easily just by saving those yeah how are you how are you finding that that general combat rhythm this game's boring (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry uh i don't know how that compares to the first two Ultimate Alliance games, because I didn't play them. But I played the X-Men Legends games, and I thought the the rhythm was a lot better in those games. And it felt like the floors, there was more to explore. All, all in this game, everything is a corridor, basically. You, you just run from hallway to room and fight things that get in your way, and there isn't a lot of enemy variety and... The, the characters that you can pick to play as, there doesn't seem to be really any difference in who you're playing as. That's probably so that way who you can play as whoever you want, and you're not going to be really messing yourself up if you're not playing as a certain character, but the result is nobody really has an identity, uh, which is super disappointing when you're dealing with the Marvel heroes who are all about their identity and how their powers give them specific identities. But if I want to use Spider-Gwen or Black Widow or Gamora or whoever as one of my characters, there's there's no reason that one of them couldn't do the a specific job as well as any of the other characters. And I'm just running around just tapping the attack button until whatever I'm up against dies. And when I'm up against a tougher enemy with a stagger meter i throw in some of the special combo abilities until they fall over and then i just i hit them when they're stunned and it's it's the same thing like there's not really even any combos in this game there's just light and heavy attacks you do the same light combo over and over and over and over again when you're fighting an enemy that has a stagger meter you throw in some heavy attacks like this game is just really repetitive and that's not always a complaint like, I, I think Hyrule Warriors, I think you could say, is repetitive, and Diablo 3, I think, is repetitive. But those games just have some element to them that keeps me 
drawn in and engaged and interested and i am not engaged with marvel ultimate alliance 3 i've been pretty disappointed with what i've played of it so far okay well i'm, I'm the opposite it's pretty much what i wanted from it having played the previous two games um i agree the the com the characters are fairly interchangeable but i still think there's a lot of variety within them so like i haven't set up the team of spider people that i joked about uh on twitter yet um, but I, I just had a like a, a fake boss fight with two of uh, the other Spider characters, uh, Miles Morales and Spider Gwen, and I was expecting them to you know just have the same abilities as as Parker Spider Man, and they just they didn't. Like uh, Miles has his um, shocking ability from the comics and and things like that. So I, I, I do think there's stuff to to like play in there. There's also like the they have certain traits as well that I think will come in handy against certain other bosses but i i agree it's most of it's uh an agulus so you can you know you can play who as whoever you want it is worth mentioning as well the the way you select your team does have a, an effect on their stats as well so um if you pick uh, the original avengers they'll they'll get different stat boosts uh, i put um captain marvel and wolverine in my initial team as soon as i unlock those uh, and like Spidey and Wolverine in the comics were part of the new Avengers, which is a uh, one of those like team bonuses in this. So they they got some stat boosts, they got uh, marginally better durability, and then because I had Spidey and Captain Marvel in the same team, that gave me another stat boost somewhere else because they were they were part of a, a generations thing. Um, so I, I I see both sides of that. I I can see why someone would come along and and be disappointed and and just find it grindy because you know it is, but equally that's kind of what i enjoyed about the original ones i did like how they use some of the npc characters as mechanics so there's a uh, lockjaw the teleporting dog from the inhumans and they they use they're the explanation for you being able to swap your team on the fly during a level when you're at a shield uh, logo which is a uh, you know a good example of like using the powers outside of combat as well i thought surprisingly uh, there's like a big team based uh, like skill tree uh, called the lab um i'm still only on the the first part of it yet because it seems to be slow going in terms of earning the the currency stuff that you earn in game there's no micro microtransactions don't worry everyone that i feel like that's going to expand quite a lot i'm hoping that there are like new team skills and stuff as you you get further in but so far it just seems like more health and more more strength and stuff like that so at the moment i've just been plowing most of it into health and sprinkling a bit in a few others but yeah um originally these games also always got uh, likened to diablo as you mentioned but like i've done it you know just because my memory's so sketchy and you know like at first glance that's what they seem like but it, it's a very reductive comparison because there's no loot it doesn't have the same it doesn't have that factor like diablo your characters enemies are dropping loot left right and center and that's part of the appeal because you never know what you're gonna get you're waiting for that you know legendary item to appear um and i agree like i wish the levels were a bit more expansive and a bit more about exploring because it's it is very rudimentary point a to point b clear the room get a boss i'm hoping that changes as it gets further in it doesn't it doesn't so how many levels are you in, would you say? Uh, I've got almost all the Infinity Stones recollected now. Okay. But I think I only have two or three more sequences to go. It's hard to say. Okay, so it's not not 
that long a game. Less than ten hours. Okay, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. What with the uh, Fire Emblem <laughs> coming, but for me personally, so far so good. Um, nothing groundbreaking, but I've been enjoying what I've been playing, and I think people that have played the previous two and and do like them will be right at home with this. And certainly want to see it through. Um, and it's. I'm enjoying it enough that I might consider getting the DLC for it because I want those extra characters. Actually, during Comic-Con they announced that you'd get Cyclops and someone else for free. Colossus. Colossus. And that was meant to be on the day, right? Because I haven't seen them appear. I don't know if you have to unlock them or whether they were just classed as DLC or... I have no idea. I I haven't seen them. Ah, that's annoying. Yeah, because uh, I don't mind Cyclops because I, I grew up watching that old X-Men cartoon. I um, wouldn't mind having him in my team. Figure that out later. Now, I haven't... I knew nothing, really, about this going in. I knew I wanted to play it because I was a big fan of the other two. Uh, are there any other modes that you unlock or anything? I, I've I've been in and out of the game once to install an update, but I haven't seen anything else appear in the menu. I saw you mention something about Infinity Trials on Twitter. Yeah, there's the Infinity Trials, which is this kind of side mode. Uh, it's superficially similar to the Hyrule Warriors Adventure mode because it puts you in this on this map and there's multiple maps you can even unlock and it has a bunch of different scenarios in this grid and if you want to do the later scenarios you have to work your way through the grid towards them and you unlock more as you play through the story so that's pretty much how Hyrule Warriors Adventure Mode worked but it doesn't have original scenarios it just has you replay parts of the game that are part of the story mostly it has you fight the bosses over again with like some little difference to it like everybody deals extra damage or and also takes more damage or uh only your special abilities will really damage the opponent you know just things like that it's just minor twists and you unlock a lot more of the currency and all the there are so many different things in this game that you can use to affect your character's stats and a lot of it is unlocked in there and you also unlock costumes and new characters again it's very similar to Hyrule Warriors Adventure Mode but it just I've spent some time in it just to get some extra levels up when I felt like the story mode has been getting beyond me and it just it doesn't feel as engaging as Hyrule Warriors did it just feels like just going back and playing earlier parts of the story over again basically it's it's not doing it for me i'll give it a look it sounds sounds interesting and it also sounds like the mode where you should head if you want to swap around your party a lot because as far as i can tell uh non-active characters don't level they don't no you get a ton of xp cubes which you can use to feed your characters that you're not playing as to keep them caught up if you decide you want to switch them in after you haven't been playing as them for a while but other than that yeah you have to go back to early parts of the game and play with your low level characters to get them caught up yeah that that's a shame um and i've been feeding the the cubes i found to, to spidey because he's the goat um bad plan man bad plan yeah i i may I, i've only done a couple so i i'll i'll sort of change that over uh before i <laughs> get too deep into it uh, but yeah, so so that's it. Um, I'll I'll certainly want to see it through. So I'll I'll we'll keep you updated in in future episodes. Uh, and yeah, that about covers it. Okay, Andrew, what are you playing in this coming week? I'm gonna finish Marvel Ultimate Alliance three, and I'm going to continue with Dragon Quest Builders two. I suspect that one's going to take me a couple months to finish 
just based on the progress I've made so far. That, that's not a complaint. It's actually a compliment because <laughs> uh, I've just been enjoying the game so much that I've been really slowing down and really exploring all the areas and just spending a lot of time just, just building stuff just for the sake of building it. Uh, and I, I'm really into that one. I, I think I'm going to be putting a lot of time into that one this year. Always a sign of a good game where you just feel compelled to do the side stuff just because it's fun and not just barrel through the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just going to finish uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, uh, not 2 as I had here in the show notes. And I'm going to do some tidy up on the Super Mario Maker 2 story mode, which I've, I've nearly completed peach's castle uh but i want to complete all those story mode levels as well so yeah just going to be tidying up there in between other stuff so yeah thank you for listening to this episode of the switch focus podcast if you enjoyed the episode please leave us a review on itunes it really helps to get noticed you can also listen and subscribe on stitcher tune in and other podcast services uh, i believe we're also on spotify now thanks jenny uh be sure to join our discord server to interact with the lively switch focus community follow us on twitter youtube facebook and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates news and other content links are in the show notes if you'd like to support the show you can buy us a coffee details are on our website thanks in advance uh, if you'd like to follow the three of us on Twitter, you can do. I'm at Flame Roast Toast. Andrew is at Play Critically. Uh, also streaming at twitch.tv forward slash Play Critically. And Ginny is at Ginny Rose. Actually, I should... No, ignore me. That works.